I'm Liz Sabachik, and this is Humans of Tango, where we explore what tango has to teach through the experiences of those who dance it. For Alex Pacheco Castillo, from her very first embrace, Tango came naturally. I was in high school. There was an Argentinian professor that specifically wanted to teach tango to adolescents. I went to his workshop and I basically didn't leave for for the whole duration of my high school times. I did try some other dances before and I could not uh, work with my body. I was completely disconnected. I think that it's a common experience in adolescent period. Uh, but I, in that moment, I felt that it had to do with my size because I was, I'm very tall here in Mexico and I was very tall since I was young. So I felt like I didn't fit anywhere. And so I, I was like struggling with um, inhabiting my body. But I now can recognize that it was my size, but also my gender experience and, and process in my teenage years. And also like being a woman, but being a lesbian. Um well, tango, <laughs> when, I, when I went to this first lesson with Gonzalo. That's Gonzalo Soto. It was the first time that I felt a connection. So he basically did some exercise with me and then started dancing me like he was in, in the leading role. And I knew that my body understood something. I wasn't sure, like, in my mind what was happening. But I think it was the first time that it was my mind that wasn't aware of what was happening. But my body was. There was no stress or confusion or mm, disconnection in my body. The way that tango moves in a subtle and profound way in the encounter of the bodies makes it easier to um, resolve I don't como que the body knows how to um, react into the movement like um, an experience of, of wisdom I think of bodily wisdom that yeah I, I was in love with that sensation I wonder sometimes if I ever would have entered tango if I met some other person, teacher, methodology, I'm more inclined to say I would not be here if I encountered some other space that was more heteronormative or more um, a square is a word, like mm -hmm, a structure. 
Oh yeah. Square. It's a square it's slang. It's perfect slang. It's like, <laughs> um, yes, with Gonzalo, he's older, obviously than me. He was, I don't know. I think he was like in his late thirties when I met him, but he was like younger, like a big brother kind of vibe. And yeah, I think his personality is community inclined. So we were friends in the in this group. We were building bonds that in that moment of life, it's also very important. And I know that he has this relationship with every one of his students from that space, from, from others also. He used to teach in a different part of town, like at the same time we were in the south part and he was teaching also in the north. And my first pseudo milonga experience was he uh, bringing these two groups together, not only in a way of practicing and dancing, but there were um, an intention of, of building a community that remains in a way until today. And yeah, for me, it was especially important in this process of constructing my identity that uh, the space with Gonzalo was open for me to, to explore who I was and to be able to keep on dancing, even if I don't wear a skirt anymore, or I don't want to use high heels anymore or to be able to dance in a different way, like both sides, like keep on doing what I do in tango, even if my life is changing in other ways, but also to be able to change my tango because of the way my life is changing. I do know a lot of people that have these um, time apart. <laughs> and sometimes it's because we don't have energy or we need to focus on some other parts of our lives. But I know a lot of cases that had to do with um, changing process that are not ready for disclosure, <laughs> that it not always has to do with gender or with sometimes it had to do with age or um, disability processes or even social economical status. Yeah, it's a, a question about belonging also like who, who is the person that belongs to this community? Mm, do I belong in a static way or I, I belong in a movement kind of uh, milonga round way? <laughs> like we are in the milonga and we are moving and still belonging. Um, I think that it's a challenge for communities and for individuals to be able to belong in a dynamic way. That was a dance floor of life metaphor, right? Just to make sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This potential for dynamic belonging is a big part of what drives Alex as a tango dancer, teacher, and organizer. I think tango can build bonds in a world that it's completely severed. So for me, yeah, like being able to dance with someone that I don't know is like magical. It is, but being able to sustain connections with people over time, thanks to tango, it's 
even more magical. Alex came onto my radar when we both wrote essays for a 2021 ebook called Queer Tango Futures, which you can download for free through a link in the show notes if you're so inclined. While my essay imagined making tango more inclusive by including more of our authentic selves in the dance, Alex's took the concept of inclusivity in a completely different direction, contrasting it with belonging. Belonging is a way in which organically you are who you are, and because of who you are, you are in a whole, you are belonging to a bigger set. On the other side, inclusion. It's the experience of being inside of a whole that has some characteristics that can match you, but some characteristics of the whole doesn't relate to your characteristics. So you are like inside of the set in a not complete way. And you are inside of the set, even though not because of, but even though you are who you are. I'm included in this community in spite of me being queer, me being a lesbian, me being a both role dancer. And I feel that belonging for me in queer tango spaces is effortless. And being included in traditional tango spaces, it's always... Mm, it's like a lot of energy put into it's explaining draining. who I am. Draining. Yeah, it's draining. Yeah. In every moment, like entering and not being said in a, in a gender role. It's not a, about bad people. <laughs> it's not about bad communities. For people that are not queer, it's really difficult to understand how we experience day to day. I think that um, empathic, good people can feel for the violent, um, up to your face, <laughs> to your face, a ways of, of discrimination or exclusion. And most people can empathize with that experience and be against discrimination, against marginalization, against violence. But there are a lot of subtle ways of not belonging <laughs> that are not noticeable for people that do not share the life experience. So for me, the idea of, of inclusion comes from that empathic energy that understands a uh, superficial part of the experience of being in the margins. So good people see these, these forms of violence against queer community and, and think from that um, experience of empathizing that what they should do is open their spaces and welcome us to their spaces. And it's really difficult because this action of including, it brings us a form of satisfaction. Like we see the violence against queer people or black people or indigenous people, like other forms of marginalization. And if we are not part of that community, we see that 
that experience of dehumanization and we feel that and we heard from seeing that. So inclusion is a way for healing our own hurt, feeling that we are acting on that damaging experience in the world and somehow excusing ourselves from the social dynamics that generate that marginalization. So it's really hard in the community of Tango for not queer people that are working towards inclusion because there's an appearance of consciousness, there's an appearance of good manners that in a way prevents seeing the deep ways that the inclusion is still marginalizing us. I want to take a moment to add some context to the incredibly important point Alex is making. Oxford Languages defines the verb to other as to view or treat a person or group of people as intrinsically different from and alien to oneself. What Alex described in our interview and in her essay for Queer Tango Futures is a subtle form of this othering dynamic. As we've touched on in previous episodes, mainstream tango culture has come a long way toward accepting dancers who want to dance the quote-unquote other role or dance with partners of the same gender. But heterosexual pairings and the gendered roles of leading man and following woman are still a strong norm in most tango communities. Which means that if you don't default to those norms, you're likely to experience at least some degree of otherness. Alex writes in her essay, while we continue to be others in relation to those who simply are, our experience of life will continue to be one of struggling to swim against the current. Of course, this isn't just about tango. Gender-based violence and discrimination against LGBTQ people are problems on a global scale. In Mexico, where Alex lives, the National Statistics Office estimates that more than 70% of women and girls over 15 have experienced some kind of violence. More than 70% of women in Mexico say they feel unsafe in their daily lives. In 2021, over 1,000 women in Mexico were murdered for gender-based reasons, an increase of 137% since 2015. And between 2017 and 2021, at least 461 people from Mexico's LGBT plus community died from violence presumed to be related to their gender identity or sexual orientation. Many others have disappeared. Against that backdrop of insecurity and fear, even low levels of othering can be a barrier to entry, especially to an activity you're choosing to do in your free time. In this moment in Mexico, you are going outside to the streets to protest against the increased violence against women. You are talking about the extreme but always present experience of not belonging. Like, this world is not for us. The rules of the game that it's socially played are not made for us as women or as BIPOC people. BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Or as gender, queer people all the time. But in the edge of this experience, it's always violence and death. Like an essential part of the experience of not belonging 
is the experience of your life always being in doubt. Your existence, like symbolically, is always put in doubt. But it's not only symbolically, it's also uh, materially. And when you put in front of the struggle of the protest, that extreme experience, there's no other uh, way of resolving the issue that is not thinking of systems in which we belong. Like violence against women is not being resolved in a patriarchal system. And it's the same for queer people. Like, mm, I mean, it has to do with a hierarchy, yeah, right? Hierarchy. So anytime yeah. that there's a group that's has more power, mm-hmm. basically, they wield that power over someone else. Yeah. And there's like a latent violence in that. There's, la- there's violence inherent in that. Yes. And there's a, there's a link that cannot be broken between the experience of those who have privilege and the experience of those who have have been marginalized. And even though there's ways of that privilege that is not uh, overt violent, it's always sustained on all of this experience, including overt violence and death and assassination. Yeah. And I think that for any group in which we are members that we have privilege, it's a big challenge to get to awareness. Like it's a lot to to bear the awareness that our privilege is based on the disruption of others. And I do believe that awareness is possible and necessary. It needs to have a deep and resourced ability to bear the uh, incomodidad, the discomfort, the discomfort of knowing that this is the way life is organized socially, that it's not enough for me to say I am not using my white privilege or my straight privilege to have benefits for myself. It's not enough because the world has benefits for me. Uh, institutionalized so in order for us as agent members of privilege to work towards anti-oppressive ways of being in the world we need to start by recognizing that we do not know the experience of the marginalized group and we need to bear witness of the experience when they want to share it with us
As a teacher and organizer, Alex has been part of both feminist and queer tango movements in her hometown of Mexico City and beyond. More and more, she's focusing on creating tango spaces where queer people can feel they belong. In the daily life of working and surviving and doing whatever you do, there's not always um, resource for building a network. And when we go to tango, we we take time off of work, we take time off rest, we take time off of the day-to-day life in the system, and we say this is going to be for me to to be in tango, no? to be. And so the decision to to make time is vital for the possibility to construct what we want because it's our time, and that for me opens a window for communities to be formed around decision because we have family communities that can be can be good or bad but we are not deciding that this is our family or we can have some communities in our workspaces or in our day-to-day socializing spaces but tango it's a decision that we make and if we can decide to be a part of a community, we can decide how we want to be in this community, how we want to treat each other in this community. And for me, this decision and ability for new ways of being and relating to each other, it's what changing the world means. So what I'm, I'm doing now has to do with opening space for queer people to experience tango, to start learning how to dance. So I I have lessons and I have workshops, but they are explicitly not only tango spaces, because there are spaces in which we share our life experience. We try to create an environment of trust and for me, that has to do with knowing one another in a deeper way and learning how to care for one another and how to find more and more connections. Like we are connected because we're queer. We are connected because we like tango. We want to dance tango together. But um, what else can connect us and what else can build strength in our community? And for that, we have to know each other. And for that, we have to spend time together. And for that, we have to to be willing to choose the other person. And I think for me, it's important to find ways to enjoy dancing with your community. And that has to do with with this three-dimensional self of myself and the others. like. You are not just 
a body which identifies with you're a person that has experience that has history that has that has feelings that has struggles in life and if when we are more connected to the three-dimensionality i do believe that we can for example enjoy dancing with everyone regardless the dancing level regardless regardless of uh, even bodily awkwardness like we have sometimes in the embrace or something that doesn't feel quite comfortable i do believe that we can find comfort in every embrace if we are embracing our friends and we are embracing our community peers that would be uh, tango paradise for me for everyone to have a place of connection in the community maybe we are not all friends but everyone has friends <laughs> and we are all uh, connected in this um, multiple ways that can allow tango not only to be an individual pleasure experience but a collective one here's to building and sustaining communities that embrace us for everything that we are Mil gracias, Alex. And thanks to the Internet Archive, where I found the recording that accompanies this episode. Mailemos, written by Cholo Mamona and Reinaldo Yiso, and performed by Susanita Peña. Sin tus ojos he de arrancar un tolloso por mi amor y por tu amor y siempre estarás en mi desvelo como una estrella del cielo comprendida en mi corazón.